Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to invite you to check out my brand new free training all about how you can start your own freelance business from home. In this completely free one hour training, I am going to share with you exactly how I was able to leave my full-time teaching job and replace my income by freelancing and how you can do the same thing too. We're going to talk about how you can find skills that you already have and what services you can offer, as well as what you need to actually get started today. So you can go check out my brand new free training. It's my gift to you at aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. That's aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. And we will link that up in the show notes for you. All right, now let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Hey, hey there, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited for you to hear today's interview that I did with Kim Ritberg. There are two main parts to this podcast, and it is just one of my favorite podcasts that I've done just because it's a topic that I really love talking about. So we are going to dive in with Kim today all about how she went from having basically her dream job and working so hard to get there all to kind of have it fall out from underneath her and how she was able to take that one moment and really turn it into her defining moment and change the way that her life was being lived and how she's super passionate about helping moms have this life outside of the corporate nine to five and really taking back the reins and control, which is what I'm so passionate about too. So it was just a match made in heaven. And then we dive into Kim's expertise, which is really about how to get comfortable on camera, how to show up online, how to use video to really grow your business and how, even though you might not be in love with all things video, it's a really important step for you to show up, to get visible and to really connect with your audience and your potential clients. So I'm so excited for you to go ahead and listen to this episode to meet Kim. So without further ado, let's dive on into the episode. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. Drum roll, please. It is official. You have been asking for it, and now the doors are open to the CEO Society Mastermind. You've been listening to my podcast for quite some time now, so let me see if I've got this right. You're at a point in your business where you know that you can't keep going at the pace you're going and that something needs to change. You know you're ready to up-level your business with both income and strategy, but fear and doubt and overwhelm are holding you back from taking those next steps. You're ready to know exactly what you need to do in order to hit those five, seven, even 10K months without working all the hours. Listen, I've been there and I know that there is a better way to build your business because I've come out on the other side and I want to show you how, which is exactly why I created this mastermind. How would it feel to easily create more profit and more impact with less hustle? How would it feel to create solid systems to set your business up for consistent growth? And how would it feel to finally stop Googling all the things and to have a place to come to with your questions and to get those questions answered? How would it feel to finally have clarity on where your business is headed so that you can stop spinning your wheels? And most importantly, how would it feel to not only have the next six months and beyond completely mapped out with the roadmap on how to get there, but also having the support of a community who is cheering you on and holding you accountable. The right guidance, strategy, and community can compress years into months and even into weeks. And this mastermind is how you're going to reach that next level. Being a part of a mastermind has 10X my business growth, success, and my confidence. And I knew that I had to bring this type of container to my community. We both know you don't need another $99 course. It's time for you to have your business breakthrough. To apply to be a part of this exclusive mastermind, simply head to aubreymalik.com 
forward slash CEO Society Mastermind. That's aubreymalek.com forward slash CEO Society Mastermind. You don't want to miss this because we officially kick off in August. And once we are full, we will shut down the doors and we won't open again until 2023. So just head to aubreymalek.com forward slash CEO Society Mastermind to apply. And I can't wait to work with you on your one-on-one session to map out your next six months. Well, hey there, Kim. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you are joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love for you to give us a little bit of your rundown, your background, and how you got to where you are today. I think your story is super interesting, and I know my audience is going to love to hear all about the evolution of of you. Thank you so much. I'm going to call my book that, The Evolution of Me. I love it. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to start just right out of college, right? Um, I studied communication and I started working in media. So my first jobs were convincing people to be on camera for news. I worked at Inside Edition and I swear it was the hardest job to ever exist in the entire world Um, (laughs) because you're calling people you don't know and trying to convince them that they should be on camera. And anyway, so that was the beginning of my media career. I ended up uh, working at Inside Edition, becoming a producer writer there. So I was that hand in, in celebrities' faces. Like if you ever watch Inside Edition or Access Hollywood, there's always some hand next to a little microphone cube. And I was that hand being like, tell me about your movie. So it was a really amazing job, super fun. I learned a ton about how to write, how to tell a story, um, how to tell a story in 30 seconds, how to tell a story in three minutes. So that was incredible. And then from there, I ended up uh, continuing into news. I was a writer and producer for five years on Greta Van Susteren's show. So really like hard news politics. Um, I would both book guests, I would write scripts for the anchor, and I would oversee what happens live. So if you make a mistake, you're in a lot of trouble because millions of people are seeing your words. But it was an amazing experience. And I got to cover some of the biggest stories across the country. Like I went to inauguration, the Democratic National Convention. I covered some crime stories around the country, uh, some big, like sad stories um, as well. But in general, it was... um, such an incredible learning experience to be able to storytell in different ways and to have that like live TV news deadline pressure. Um, I really thrive under that. And um, it was excellent. And so then I stayed a little bit in TV doing long form. So writing and producing long form TV shows like The Fabulous Life of Justin Bieber. Um, (laughs) That's my favorite one to mention. Thank you for laughing. I needed a laugh. (laughs) I'm a huge Um, Biebs fan over here. (laughs) Me too. I didn't know that much about him. And then I was paid money to spend three months writing and producing and directing an hour-long show about Justin Bieber. And I 100% had Bieber fever. I was homesick with a Bieber fever. (laughs) Um, I just think he's really talented. And I think truly he's had an interesting life. Um, And so that was a super, super fun thing. That was the time I'm like, wow, I'm getting paid to have fun and learn and use my skills. Like, this is good. I'm doing, this is, this is good. This feels good. Um, and then the, the, I could see at that point digital. So I had been working in TV for, I want to say maybe 10 years and digital was sort of like really getting bigger in media and I could feel it coming. I could see it happening. And I just looked at it and said, I want to go there. So I had a friend who worked at us weekly and she and I had worked together in the past. Um, at this point we were maybe acquaintances, right? But I reached out to her. I saw her somewhere socially And I said to her, you know, Us Weekly has an incredible brand. It's like really knows who it is, right? If you pick up on Us Weekly, you know what you're getting. It has a very unique, identifiable brand. And I looked online, I saw they had no videos. So I said, I want to build them a video unit. And like looking back, that's kind of like the craziest thing ever to just do that. But I really did. I look back, I'm like, young me was so brave. Uh, I walked walked into the editor-in-chief's office and I was like, I can build you a video unit. I've done news. I've written like glossy shows about celebrities. I've I've done celebrity interviews. Like this job is like the perfect job for me. And then I didn't get the job. Obviously, that's always how it goes, right? Then a year later, they brought me back and and they did actually want to really invest in video. So that job was 100% like hashtag career goals, like hashtag 
boss mom and girl boss and like all that stuff, right? I, I got to go in there. I was five months pregnant. So when I got this job to start Us Weekly's video unit, I was five months pregnant. And um, just, it was amazing. I had two babies. I had my baby, my baby Lily, and I had my Us Weekly video unit. And I felt very protective of both. So I got to hire, I had about three, a team of three when I first had my baby and when I came back from maternity leave. They had brought on other projects, a big branded project with AT&T, and then Facebook was paying us money for live. And anyway, we scaled from three people to 10 people to 18 people while I was breastfeeding, not breastfeeding, pumping in the office twice a day. So the whole, the phrase I used was, when the blinds are down, don't come round. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so my, my co-ed team, of course, like my co-ed team totally understood that and they would message me, but I was at my desk, like being super efficient, right? Because I really wanted to get home to see my baby. So I would be like typing like a crazy person and had no time and barely ever did like casual coffee runs with people. And I was probably was not the most uh, social, social person. But anyway, we had an amazing team and I hired everybody and they were all just incredible, creative, um, collegial, invested in building together. And we were really growing fast and pivoting fast and, and changing direction fast, but everybody was so amazing. We, we went from like a few million video views a month to like 40 million video views a month. And it was just such rapid growth and the organization recognized it and they were very, you know, flattering to us and flattering to me and saying like, you're doing this amazing job. Um, and then as the best stories go, you know, you're a hero, you're at the top of the mountain and then the mountain starts crumbling. <laughs> so, you know, I was running this 18 person unit. We were totally crushing it and everybody was like really impressed by what we were doing. And our, our I had an amazing boss that was very supportive and I had good peers and then we got bought. So, oh. yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Um, so that was, I would say, the turning point. Um, my epiphany was I was pregnant with my second child then. So totally career high, doing amazing, flying high, feeling amazing, love the team, uh, love the team that works for me, loving my boss, loving my peers, and we're in the middle of an acquisition and I am nine months pregnant with my second child and everyone's really afraid they're going to be fired. And many of almost all the other executives got fired. I was not fired because our team was honestly actually bringing in a lot of money. Um, video was at that point a really big money maker, And it was really, really hard. It was super hard to see this, this thing that this baby, this second baby of mine that I put so much blood, sweat and tears that might, might, my team put worked so hard for, and it just, it was really hard. A lot of people were fired and nobody on my team was fired, but as soon as they knew they were being acquired, everyone started looking for other jobs. And honestly, they got some of the most amazing jobs. Like some work at the Today Show, uh, some went to um, Hearst, some went to Condé Nast. Like they got amazing jobs. And it was, um, it was a real epiphany for me and it really spurred a whole new period of my life of rethinking, you know, what do I want to do? Why am I doing this? Um, is this working for me? Uh, and again, I was nine months pregnant and I had to shift our entire studio. Like I had built a studio out of an empty conference room. So when you look at a video um, online, like for Us Weekly or whoever, you know, People Magazine or anybody, they have a studio, like walls and lights and furniture and decor. Like I built that whole studio with with help, you know, with like operations and decor people and designers. And I had to move that all down downtown. I had to redo all of the systems and processes and, and move the operations down to the new office. It was just really hard. I was nine months pregnant and I'm in the hospital bed. Instead of looking at nursery items on my phone, I'm looking at resumes and saying, okay, for Beth's job, uh, this person would be number one choice. If they can't, then number two. Okay, for that person's job, here's who I would pick. Here's who I would hire. And I was honestly had an IV in my arm um, getting induced for my second child. And, you know, just I was really on a career high and that re that really took me down. So that that sort of started my, my realization that I, I wanted to work for myself. Um, I really wanted control. I felt very very out of control at that point. And um, 
that sort of set, like, I would say the next stage of my career. Wow. I'm just sitting here just like hanging on your every word trying to, I'm like, what, okay. And what happens next? <laughs> but I have so many, so many things that I'm sitting here like relating to it. And I feel like every mom kind of like who is coming up behind us, so to speak, has these like defining moments. Like that was you like in the hospital bed, like going through this process, realizing you're having to like start over, you know, and all this hard work. And I had a similar story where my son, I just had found out my son was going to have to undergo surgery. And I was pregnant with my second son. And I was like, okay, can I just take off one day for the surgery and trying to like rationalize that in my head. And that was like my moment where like the light switch finally, it was like, I finally saw clearly. And it's like, no, there has to be a different way. And clearly, I mean, we've got some different stories because I was an elementary teacher and here you are like running this whole big production and doing all of this super fun stuff, which I'm just like, so I like want to off camera be like, okay, let's, let's dive more into the Bieber story here. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, give me the dirt, give me the real dirt. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, I think like it, it, it is, it's finally, you know, we, I think we all, especially if we take these new like paths and pivot, it's kind of like in us, somewhere it's just like waiting for that like final thing to like erupt you know it's waiting for that final thing to like just finally bubble over and it's like okay now is the time to make that switch even though it's super scary about doing it even though it like is kind of going against everything that I've worked for um it's really time to take back control so I love that you said it too so now let's hear that that shift from this traditional type job everything that um you worked up towards, and then now you're going to start working for yourself. And what did that look like? Sure. So first of all, I agree with you and you being a teacher, by the way, kudos to you. I mean, I feel like I have two kids now and their teachers are like my favorite people in the world. They're the heroes. I'm like, so I definitely don't think that like I was having this amazing, cool job and, you know, everyone else. I think that, you know, so many of us feel, feel so many new things in our career path and everyone is, is, invested and working hard and also wants to apply, you know, what they studied or what they know and feel satisfaction from that. So I feel like more than like, oh, me and my amazing job and press passes, you know, it's more, I feel like it's, it's, it's knowing that everyone I know, no matter their field or no matter their, their industry, that we're all looking to be fulfilled and satisfied and contribute. You know, like mm-hmm. we, we all want to do a good job at whatever it is we're doing. And so when you're you're in a good place and you're feeling great, but then there might be other things in your life that you're really not putting under the microscope just for whatever reason until a big thing happens, right? Mm-hmm. And can I, by the way, I'm not seeing my microphone go up and down. Are you seeing my microphone? Yeah, I am. Okay. Cool. I'm like, I'm just going to break the fourth wall on this podcast and make sure anyone can hear me. <laughs> I'm like, in real time. Sorry about that. I just, I wasn't seeing my waveform. So I'm worried that I'm uh, not recording into the microphone. Um, and then, so, you know, having, having created the Us Weekly video unit, running an 18 person team, being successful, not just feeling successful, but like legitimate professional success acknowledged by my boss, acknowledged by my peers, acknowledged by people at other outlets um, outside my office. Um, Having that sort of crumble, like as I had my second child, just really made me say, okay, is there a better way to do this? Is there a different way to do this? And start taking stock of what are the things I really, why do I work? Like, what am I really getting out of work? They give you a paycheck and you show up and do work. But that's, that's like the basics of it, right? That's a basic economic trade, but it's a lot of other things. So I started asking myself, what do I love about what I do? Um, what are the things I really need to have if I were to work for myself? So do I need that fancy business card? You know, once you lose that email address, oh my God, are people not going to respond to me because I'm not at such and such a media outlet? And I started to like, put those thoughts to the side and say, you know, this is a part of my life that I'm never going to get back. And if I don't really, really go through the process of asking myself what I want holistically, not just in the work world, I'm going to look back in 15 years and be like, oh my God, why did I spend so many years doing things that didn't give me what I wanted holistically? So I just started like 
just asking myself so many more questions. Um, I knew I wanted to work for myself and I'd love to say, and then I started a business and made six figures. (laughs) But (laughs) the truth is I had one freelance client or two freelance clients. I made like a few thousand dollars and I was doing something similar to what I had done, you know, content strategy. I sat down with people, looked at what they were doing, gave them an audit, gave them a plan. But I was thinking like, I don't know how this is going to be a business. <laughs> like, that's not a that's not a salary. It's not an income that's going to sustain my life, sustain my family. So I wasn't really sure. I knew I wanted to work for myself, but I was really not sure how that would look. I did end up taking two more jobs. I took two more full-time jobs, even after knowing I wanted to work for myself, which I think speaks to fear and um, even when we have clarity of mind, we don't always have the courage to take Mm -hmm. that step. And I I tell my story because not like I want everyone being like, yay, look at you, Kim. You're so amazing. But, you know, I look at my resume and I'm like, wow, I have done a lot. And I still went through those questions of being like, who's going to hire me? Am I going to get any clients? Like, am I going to make any money? And then I look at my resume. And so if I were my, I now do media training. And so if I were my media trainer, I'd be like, are you kidding? Look at your resume. You've done a lot of different things. Like I can think of a lot of things you can apply your experience to, but when you're in it, it's hard and it's hard to kick, it's hard to kick the fear and it's hard to kick the sense of whatever imposter syndrome or whatever it is. Um, so that was hard. And so I did, I worked for a little while at Pop Sugar doing branded content. And then I did a year where I was in marketing at Netflix and don't get me wrong. Those positions were very valuable. Like I, I learned a lot. I do a lot of branded content now, so that's very helpful. I already did branded content at Us Weekly also. Um, and at Netflix, I got to direct Tina Fey and Paul Rudd. I mean, that is some of the biggest highlights of my entire career I had at Netflix in that year. But it is to say, like, I already knew I wanted to work for myself. So, you know, it took me another maybe two years to just really do it. So, um, then in the fall of 2019, I was like, that's it. I'm 100% like definitely not going to take another full-time job. Um, and I actually had some people come to me being like, oh, I'm starting this thing. Would you be interested? And I said with clarity, I'm 100% not taking a full-time job. Thank you. I'm, I'm open to consulting. Um, you know, what are your needs? Let's have a conversation. But I really saw with clarity um, that I definitely wanted to start working for myself. And I swear it was like the most serendipitous blessed moment of my entire life, it was right before the pandemic hit that I said, I'm going to work for myself. That's insane. Um, And I, again, like I'm thinking like, that's always how it happens, right? It's like right before like you think, okay, I'm kind of like shutting this and taking this next leap, even though it's like super scary. It's like, wow, like looking back on it, it all, it worked out for, um, for the best. So now that so we're you know two years into this pandemic. Hopefully, we're kind of like seeing our way out of it here. So now, where is your focus? And kind of, I'd love to kind of have this lead into kind of your new project that you're working on as well. Absolutely. So once I said I am going to work for myself, I I really started networking and I focused on I focus on two things. So my company, which is kimritberg.com, and I have an LLC, and I do content and video strategy. So companies will come to me and I will audit them and say, okay, what are you doing? What should you be doing? Where should you be focusing your your content, both which social platforms and what kind of content? Um, and so I advise that. And then I also do video production. So then I execute the actual series, whether it's video or podcasts for companies. And then I also do media training. So to be on camera, to be promoting yourself and your business with confidence. So I start with messaging, getting your message clear and, you know, really, really knowing what you're saying about your brand and about yourself. And then all of the fun ways that we can then express that amazing message with confidence and clarity so that people are super attracted to your brand and want to hire you. Um, And so the last two, so, so since starting my business, I have been like the happiest I've ever been. Um, I just feel like super content and super fulfilled through this process though. As I started working for myself, I did not really understand where I was supposed to be going for resources. And when I would tell people, oh, I work for myself, everyone was two groups. Group one were people who are like, oh, great. I'll keep sending you job listings. 
They just fully did not understand that I don't want a full-time job. So group one were just people who did not understand this. And group two were moms. And all of the moms looked at me and they were like, are you making any money? Is it a real business? (laughs) So that made me realize a lot of moms are actually interested in doing what I'm doing and they just don't really know how to do it. Then I started like pulling back the layers more and I started meeting moms who are doing part-time work. I met other moms who are consulting. Um, I met stay-at-home moms with side hustles. And I was like, oh my God, lightning bolt, like lightning strike. Wow. There are a lot of other ways to find fulfillment in this world besides a corporate office. Like there's so many things out there and I don't think people know about them because I didn't know about them. And so as I started on this process of realizing that I am obviously I'm a content maker, I'm an executive producer, my language is storytelling. So I said, you know what, I need to put this in podcast form. Like I have to hear from these women who are doing those non nine to five jobs. I'd say the, they're, they're ditching their nine to five and thriving. So Mm -hmm. all these women who are starting their businesses, they're consultants, they're entrepreneurs, they're part-time workers, they're stay-at-home moms with side hustles. What are they doing? How are they doing it? How can they inspire other people? I want to tell those stories. And then in each episode, I have a story of that mom. And then I pair it with an expert who's going to give tips so that someone's already thinking like, okay, maybe I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm going to do this. Oh, wait here's how I actually do it. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. putting action to that inspiration. So uh, I'm producing this podcast. It's called Mom's Exit Interview and um, it's launching in May. And it's, um, it's, it's just, I'm so excited. I've gotten like so much like positive feedback. We're doing a survey of hundreds of moms across the country and they've told us what they're looking for, that they want to actually 65% of them would leave full time if they could. So we are onto something and they're telling us like what they're, what they're looking for, what they're struggling with. So it's, I'm just really excited about it. I, it just, it's been such a passion project that's grown into like something much larger. Um, and I have amazing people on like you, Aubrey, who is both an inspirational mother and an expert. Um, and a lot of everyday moms with amazing stories. And then also pretty well-known people like designer Rebecca Minkoff, happiness guru Gretchen Rubin, um, the Knot.com co-founder Carly Roney. And so we're hearing from, you know, entrepreneurs of all levels, everyday moms taking the plunge and then tips on how to do it yourself. So anyway, so my crazy epiphany led to this very exciting project. I love it. As soon as you were talking about like these moms, like the, the ditch the nine to five and thrive, like I like literally it's like, we are the rule breakers. Like that's how I view myself. And that's how I've kind of always viewed myself. My parents, like they call it like my stubbornness, but I'm like, this has served me so well, especially in my later years. Like maybe not so much when I was a teenager and I was kind of going through that like angst and wanting to rebel and do everything the opposite of what my parents say. But I'm like, now it has served me so well. It helps me to make some of those really scary decisions because when somebody tells me like, oh, you know, you couldn't, make it on your own or like you should just go back to your teaching job, like your secure job. It's like, I'm going to do it anyways, just because you told me I couldn't do it. And so like it, it, that like just drives all of my decisions too. So I was like thinking these like moms are these just like total rule breakers and leading the path. And I love that stat that you shared that 65% because I like that blow, it blows my mind. Yes. But like, I'm also not surprised. And so it kind of leads me into my next question because maybe you've been kind of finding this in in your research that you've been doing, but why do you think that so many moms are wanting to leave the traditional workforce? I mean, clearly I have my own like thoughts about it and like why I wanted that too, but I just would be interested to hear your perspective about why that that percentage is so high. That's such a good question. And I've actually been digging in both with like stats. So like I mentioned before, I'm I come from news. So to me, it is about like the stats and digging in. So I talked to someone at the census and one of the questions I asked was like related to that, you know, well, what are the reasons we work? And so then is full-time giving it to us, giving that to us. So number one, this generation is the largest generation of like the highest educated generation of women, right? So Mm -hmm. women are starting to actually outpace men in college degrees. So then they're participating in the working world, you know, in whatever career they have, and they're armed with these degrees. And then often, you know, pairing off often with other, you know, uh, you know, partners when they have kids, most, you know, mostly not all, but, and eventually what we start to see is that it's not even, I say nine to five, it's really not nine to five. It's like nine to six, 
it's nine to seven. It's, you know, you're connected on email and that combined with all of these institutional things that we really kind of haven't solved for, right? So childcare, both, um, how it works and, and the, the actual financial contribution for that. I mean, childcare costs are really out of control. Um, you know, (laughs) paid leave, I mean, paid leave is not, is really not, is a thing that like government and companies really need to work on. So I think those are some of the things that at the beginning of your, of the journey into being a parent happens, right? I, I personally, my first, my first child, I didn't get any paid leave from my company. I just got New York state FMLA because I had started working there, um, five months before I had my child. So I didn't get any, but I still took off 12 weeks from with like very little payment from the government. The second time I'd been there for two and a half years, the new company that bought us, they had a worse policy. So instead of getting eight weeks of paid leave, I got three weeks of paid leave. Um, so for anyone who's had a child, um, you know, three weeks is like, you are, there's a lot of fluids still coming out of your body. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. a, it's not a pretty sight. I mean, so going back to work at three weeks is just crazy. So I think that there's childcare issues, there's paid leave, um, I think that there's also one of the other things is not just women contributing more to the house. It's also women contributing more mental burden. So when you talk to like the majority, and of course these are like, I don't want to say stereotypes, but like, these are things that women are saying in surveys. So it's not that I'm like, Oh, every mom is the CEO of their household. But the truth is a lot of women say that when it comes to the calendar and getting stuff ready for the house and getting stuff ready for school and then actually doing it, it's the burden is still more on them, even though women and men are now working, maybe working at equal levels. So I think the combination of those things is, and this is kind of what I thought I was like, you know what, you know what it means to be successful is to take what you have and make the life you want out of it. And it's not to get the corner office and it's not to make the most money imaginable, but it's like to have a life that I'm happy with. And I think more, more people are starting to question that messaging that we've been getting of like lean in, like just like lean into the office and like just keep driving to the top. And we don't really know what's at the top. It's starting to look less appealing when you're actually in it. And so mm-hmm. that that's a mixture of my, both the things I've learned from the statistics and from the survey and from the show and my own point of view on it. I think more people are questioning, like, what is it really, what am I really going to get out of staying nine to five straight through? And then, you know, the other questions that are raised is like, if you off-ramp, when you on-ramp, are you losing you know, money because you took years off and maybe you don't catch up again. And, you know, those are questions that need to be addressed. Like it's, it's, that's a true thing to think about. Um, so it's not all roses that you could just, you know, either work for yourself or off ramp with that on ramp, but there are a lot of other ways to live. And it just depends on your own situation, your own financial situation, your own priorities. I just, I feel very passionate about everybody should just be like questioning it more and then saying what's out there and then which one of these options fit better for my life. Oh, this is just such, I'm like so excited for this to air because this is just ringing true. So in so many ways to me and like where I feel super passionate about. And I think too, just from my perspective and kind of what I've seen within my own community, you know, we, we go to college when we're still in these like formative years and we are expected to pick this, this major that we're, you know, this is what we're going to do for the rest of our life. And, you know, we can't even map out what the next, you know, couple months are going to look like, like it's ever changing. And I think sometimes even so, like with this identity shift, like we go in and think like, this is the career that I'm going to do. And I, I am really passionate about that. And I know like you were saying, like you were really passionate about you didn't, I was passionate about being a teacher, but I also didn't account for and take into consideration all the other milestones and obstacles and things that would be thrown my way over those years as like that career was evolving too. Like I, you know, I got out of the teaching profession before the pandemic. So I know that that, that is a big burden on a lot of the women that are in my community. A lot of them are teachers. They're, a lot of them are looking for something else too. And, and really trying to come to terms with that of like, I'm supposed to be in it for the kids. And this is what I've worked so hard for. And I have not only my... You, my college degree, but I've gone to master's for this and really just trying to understand like almost how they got to this point. Like I remember feeling that way too. Like 
yes, I thought like teaching would be my life's dream and what I would do for the rest of my life. And as I was thinking about like being a mom, thinking, well, this is a really great job to have as a mom because I'm going to have all the same breaks off as my kid and I'm going to be able to have summers off and all this stuff. Like you don't really anticipate what's to come both in life and also in motherhood too. And like you mentioned too, that, that mental burden that we take on as moms. And I know too, like you were saying, even like my husband is amazing. He helps with, with that mental load, but as a mom and as a woman, I'm like, no, I want that control. I want to control those at, like, I want to be the one that's packing the lunch, even though my husband is perfectly capable of doing that. Like, I still feel like I need to take that on too. So, so many great points that you just brought up there. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, of course. And and I uh, totally agree with you. And I think that one of the things we saw in our survey that we did for the show are the things that moms are struggling with and the reasons why they would shift away from full-time is they're looking for flexibility, um, freedom, scheduling. Like it, it's not necessarily all everyone is dying to work so much less than 40 hours, although many, many would like to. It's that they want to be in control of the scheduling around it. And then the other biggest challenges that women were citing in our survey was feeling present with their kids, juggling, like what we were just talking about, you know, juggling those domestic duties and, and you know, just balance being sort of out of whack. Yeah, absolutely. That I know that all rings very, very true for my audience. So I'm super excited about this project. I'm like, I'm right on board with you. And I think that it's, it's really interesting to, sh- to see this shift, but it's also really empowering to see moms kind of taking back control and kind of that, like, that's kind of what I really want to empower women to do too, is like, you don't just have to accept things as they are because this is the way that it's been for so long, or this is what everybody thinks, or this is what Aunt Sally says is the right way to do things. Like there, there are other options and there are other routes that you can take and, if this is available and it's something that it, that you're passionate about or just something that you really want to place as a top priority, you should pursue it too. So um, thank you. Like I said, thank you for sharing that. And I want to shift gears just a little bit because I would be remiss if I had you on with all of your expertise and everything that you've done and not ask you about the camera aspect and the video aspect and how as these women start to step into the online space, one of the things that I know that I've heard from my community is this fear of getting on camera and showing their face and feeling like I'm a mom and I've got you know my hair up in a messy bun. Like, how can I actually show up on camera and feel confident and uh, all those things? So, do you have any tips for moms who really want to utilize business and know that? Like, I think that's what a lot of women, especially in my community, are starting to realize like video is not going away anytime soon. Like it was one of those things where we hoped it would kind of just disappear and we could, you know, hide behind our computer screen and do our thing and not have to really step out in front of the light. But now that they know that it's not going away anytime soon, how can we really use it to our advantage and gain that confidence in doing so? That's such a great question. And I would love to start out by saying that every single person on earth feels self-conscious I, I'm not kidding that like I used to interview celebrities at work, right? They, they'd be like, oh, was that okay? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, you've been on camera for like a thousand hours of your life. Like obviously your interview was great, you know? So everyone feels uncomfortable on camera. Um, I do media training and I will tell you, it does not matter like who you are, how much experience you have. Everyone has that inner, like that little inner uh, doubt. So first of all, I think the most important thing to remember is video is not going away. So even if you really feel like nervous about it or uncomfortable about it, remember, I I like to break it down into the two parts. So there's the mental part of being on camera and using video for business. And then there's the physical part. So the mental part first, you got to break down like, why don't you want, why don't you want to be on camera? Right? So is it that you're self-conscious? Is it that you're worried that your social media followers are going to judge you? Is it that your Aunt Sally, who Aubrey, Aunt Sally is not invited to Thanksgiving if she's going to judge our life choices, right? Um, (laughs) But is it that Aunt Sally is going to think that you're you're silly or you're looking silly? So I want to break that down first. First of all, I think the most important thing is breaking down the mental, mental barriers. Start to think of it as a business goal, right? So you want to be on video because you want to grow your business. So 
I think taking it as a career step and as a personal goal, as a personal business development goal, completely changes things. And then you want to start thinking about, well, you're in your business because you serve people, right? You're servicing someone. You're you're either helping them with their business or you're selling them a product that you really believe in. So believe that your videos are going to help them in some way. I think that breaks down a lot of those barriers. And so from there, think about, I, I like to think about what you're going to get the most mileage out of, right? So if you're going to take the time and money to actually, well, it doesn't even have to cost money, by the way. You could just like, turn on a ring light and your camera and just start recording. So, but if you are going to start shooting video, I'd say like focus on the things that are most important for your business. So what are the questions people ask you? What do you do? What's your backstory? Um, Like a little bit of behind the scenes. And so I apply that to honestly everybody. So if you're selling a product, you'd want to have like a video of just like your product. Like what is it? What does it do? Maybe a behind the scenes of how it's made. People are super fascinated by that, whether it's interesting materials or it's sustainable or it's locally sourced or whatever your story. Um, who you are is an amazing part of that. So if you're, uh, you know, a mom or you made it with your sister or you, you know, it was inspired by your dog, whatever that personal story is, I would definitely include that. Um, And then think about the questions people ask you. What are you getting asked in your DMs? Or if you're just starting out your business, what are questions you anticipate? Make a video answering those questions. And I would definitely say this is like one of my absolute top tips about being on camera. Really know what you're going to say. So you're not going to like memorize it, but it's really hard to like be good on camera if you don't know what you're going to say. So I would say sit down, like think about what you're going to say. You're going to say, okay, this video... I'm going to explain what my product is. Here are the three things I'm going to say about it. Practice, practice, practice. Talk to yourself in the mirror. Record on your phone several times and then turn the light on and then go. Um, If you're like a little further than that, maybe you've done a little bit of on camera, I would try to shoot several videos at once. So we, nobody likes putting on makeup. Like I put on makeup to record my podcast. I'm like, ugh. And then sometimes I didn't put on makeup and I watch it back and I'm like, I look disgusting. My nose looks weird. My hair is wet. Like, (laughs) you know, so we all feel like that. I really a hundred percent hate, hate wearing makeup. I hate wearing heels. Like I'm that person. But so if you are going to do record, if you're going to record and you're committing yourself to record, which by the way, yay for you, you should. Um, set it up so that you're blocking off like 20 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, and then try to shoot several videos at once. That way you're then maybe shooting the who you are video, story of your service or product video, um, questions that people ask you, maybe it's how to work with me, shoot all of those at once. Um, and then, and then you can like watch them back and see if you, if you like them, if you want to reshoot them, whatever, but it's more, it's more time effective because setting up and breaking down takes time. And also your, your muscles are ready. Like your vocal cords are warmed up. Um, your energy, your physical energy is warmed up. So anyway, those are some steps. Those are the mental steps. And then the physical steps of actually getting better is knowing yourself and practicing. So by know yourself, I mean like get used to who you are. Like some people are high energy. Some people are more like low energy. Some people are funnier. Some people are more earnest. Like whoever you are, that's awesome. Your goal is to just be as you as possible and with confidence. So get used to hearing your own voice. Like everybody hates their own voice. There's not a person in the world who hears their own voice and is like, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, nobody thinks that. Everybody (laughs) hates their own voice. It's scientifically proven that you hear your own voice in a different way than other people hear it. But what they hear is also fine and probably awesome. So don't worry. Um, Know yourself and also know your business. So like I said before, you have to know what you're going to say because if you're getting on camera and you're talking about your business, but you're not saying it with confidence, that does not, it's not going to attract a client, right? You have to feel awesome about your business and you have to feel like you are going to serve them so amazingly and you're so excited to work for work with them that that's going to attract them. Um, And then again, you know, if you're in a business where you're trying to attract clients, um, like really it's, it's a, you know, if you're a virtual assistant, um, or, you know, other service providers, they need to know who you are truly like is it a relationship based business. So I cannot stress enough, like the importance of putting yourself on camera, because if someone's going to hire you, presumably they're going to work with you, obviously on text message, on email, but sometimes on the phone, maybe on zoom, they really need to know like what you're like. And I would say that that's a really good differentiator and separator. So if I am seeing, if I'm a client and I'm seeing your website and I see some content either on your social media or on your website, 
I'm hearing your voice. I'm getting your energy. I'm realizing like, oh, this, this person's probably a good fit. I think we'd get along. A lot of people, that's how they hire people. They're like, I like that person. I trust that person. I'm going to hire that person. Like that is how it happens. So remember that putting yourself on camera is even if it's uncomfortable and even if it's scary, it, it's an important business goal. And if you're in a relationship-based business, I cannot stress enough. You have to put yourself on video. It's so true. Because when I started, I, I did, like I had my stints, you know, in, in figuring out how am I going to make money from home type thing. I, I had my stints in network marketing. And so I had kind of dabbled in doing videos. It was never something that I was like super jazzed about doing, but I just kind of took it with stride and did it. But when I was thinking about starting this business and how was I, I was going to create content, doing a podcast felt really doable for me because I was like, I can just show up. I can record a bunch. You know, I can do it as a mom and it just felt comfortable for me. But definitely what I have even seen as my business has evolved and as I started to grow myself online, grow my confidence and put myself out there more on video. That is something that I personally hear time and time again from people who end up working with me, who end up joining the community, that they were able to connect with me through the videos that I've done. I'm really active on TikTok and that's where I do a lot of that video content. And they were able to really make those genuine connections to me and actually feel like we were friends. And I don't think that you can really get that. I, I do feel like I've built a community with my podcast, but I feel like with video, it's way more instantaneous as opposed to podcasting might take a little bit longer. And that's not to discourage anybody from, you know, having a podcast. I think having a podcast is great. Clearly I have one. That's what we're doing here, but it really <laughs> helps to build those relationships a lot faster and really show that authenticity authenticity that you have. And and that's what I see like time and time again in my DMs is like, I feel like I know you. I love, you know, the way that you flub up your words because I do that all the time. And it's just, so I think for me too, it was letting go of that expectation of it needs to be perfect every single time. And I can just show up as myself. And that allowed me to kind of break down some of those walls and some of those fears that I had about showing up on camera. And, and I love that you're flagging about the authenticity angle of it. Like, my, you know, I came up in TV, right? And the only people who were on camera were these perfect, beautiful people with the most perfect diction and everyone looked, you know, gorgeous and perfect in their red dress on camera, right? It is so different today. You know, if you even follow, whoever you follow on social media, you watch them, they're not perfect. They're regular people, but they're super knowledgeable or they're super confident and they really believe in their message. So I love what you're saying, Aubrey, about being authentic. Like the most important thing is that you're you. And I think that that's the barrier that everyone needs to break down and say, I don't need to be that person. I just need to be the most comfortable and real version of myself. And by the way, I am saying this and like even a year ago, I didn't really put myself on on camera a lot, just because I'm like busy running my business. I'm out with the kids. I'm not wearing makeup. And I just don't feel like, oh, I don't really want to put myself out there. But I'm like, this is a business goal. I'm telling other people to get on camera and I'm not getting on camera. Oh God. The, honestly, the first few videos, like I hadn't done it in a while, you know, back, way back when, like 10 years ago, I was an on-camera reporter for a little while, but like I, and, and I did some on-camera stuff for Us Weekly, but like most of my career has been behind the scenes. So for me, even putting myself on camera the first few videos I did, I'm kind of stiff and I'm kind of robotic. I put it up. And you know what happened? People were like, yay, I love what you're saying. This content is so true. So I, it wasn't like my best work ever, but people were really responding to the content itself. And then the next month, I'm even more comfortable. The next month, I'm even more comfortable. And now it's like, I'm doing my podcast. I'm doing video all the time. So once you start getting in the groove and you start practicing and you realize just be yourself, the first one, the first two, the first five, the first seven, you're going to look back and be like, eh, that wasn't so great. It doesn't matter. You got to do it. Like you have to get your reps in like that, you know, I just use like a weightlifting phrase, right? Like you got to get your reps in. <laughs> like you have to get your you have to get your repetitions in. You have to just start practicing to to improve. You have to do it, and it's okay to like practice and just keep it on your phone. But the truth is, you put it out there, put it out in the world. I agree with you, Aubrey. Like there's a reason why the video platforms are growing so much, like TikTok. Instagram, YouTube, those platforms are growing exponentially because people respond to video. A photo is flat. A photo can be altered. It can be filtered. It can be, you know, not I don't want to say fake, but it can be really, really polished. And a video, 
people get to see you like warts and all, and that's the beauty of it. And so if you really want to connect with people and you really want people to get to know you and then trust you and then hire you, like you have to be, you have to put yourself on video. Yeah, it's so true. I remember when I first started doing TikToks, it was like, I would film it once, I'd watch it. Nope, not doing that one. All right, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it took me so long the to even do it. Like, and, the first few takes like an hour and a half. Yes. And now I like <laughs> record one and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Like I just don't, like I just don't think about it in that sense too, because I also like, I want it to stay fun for me. And I think if I spend all this time being super overcritical of myself, like my audience isn't going to get the best version of me either because I'm always going to be trying to make it so perfect and so polished. And that's not really what people want anymore. It's not about this perfect feed or this perfect video or this perfect, they just, they want somebody that they can feel like they can really relate to. And that's going to resonate with them so, so much. So I so appreciate everything that you've shared today, Kim. It's so inspiring and so encouraging to hear that there are other moms out there who are ready to take back the control. And I'm so excited for all the things that you're doing and um, all the women that you're going to inspire too. So I would love for you to share where we can learn more about what you do and where we can connect with you to learn more. Thank you. Um, it's been so much fun chatting with you. And my last tip, by the way, about the video is start on Instagram stories. They'll go away after a day. So if you hate it, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much. This was so, so fun. The podcast is Mom's Exit Interview. So if you go to the website, Mom's Exit Interview, anywhere you get podcasts is where you'll find Mom's Exit Interview. Again, it's about ditching the nine to five and thriving. And so I'm super passionate about it. And you're going to hear from amazing everyday moms across all industries and levels, and then experts to get you on your way. Um, and all of that is also under kimrickberg.com. So um, if you want to go there, I have free video tips, um, like free media training and free video content ideas. So, and they're really pretty, you know, I spent a lot of time making it look pretty. So, <laughs> so if you go to kimrickberg.com, um, you'll get lots of free goodies on my site there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We'll link all of that up in the show notes. And I'm so excited that we had this chance to have you on the podcast. I know my listeners are going to love this. So thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.